0: Hi, I'm Jamie Winkert. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. You're listening to the V8 V8 Insiders.
1: Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Ravel.
0: Bathurst is not far away, and everyone's getting excited about their journey to the mountain. We uh, we had a good old trip. Went through a little bit of water, a little bit of mud, a few dirt tracks to get here, and uh, that's the way to do it. We we'll look at all that and more today, as the lights go out
1: on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. ...for your chance to win some great prizes.
0: Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing... ...and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrak Carbon Fibre Products. For Craig Lowndes, it's his 20th trip to the mountain. He's looking forward to a, a big event. And he's in the team that is certainly on a roll. In fact... 10 out of the last 12 events have been won either by HRT or Red Bull Racing Australia. In fact, if you add two Kmart wins, that's 12 out of 12. It was 2000 when the last independent winner of the Bathurst race, and that was, of course, Garth Tander and Jason Barguana at Gary Rogers Motorsport. It's going to be interesting for the Nissans and also for the Erebus squad to see how their new generation cars handle the mountain. And, in fact, it's looking like with the way that Lee Holsworth has shown the Erebus form, he could be a big chance. He's certainly confident that the team's going in the right direction now. We're starting to hit our goals and, uh, yeah, it's a good time to be doing it. With Bathurst coming up, I think um, we should have a strong showing there, hopefully another, you know, top five result. Tim Slade, also who had a strong run at Sandown, is looking like he is going to be a player in this second Pertec Cup event. As you know, uh, Bathurst, there's a big climb up to the top and um, it's just going to be interesting to see whether that uh, that
2: hurts us at all, um, getting up the hill. Um, I'm sure we got uh, plenty of speed coming back down, but... Uh, as far as you know, the the car goes, it, it's been been relatively strong, yeah.
0: Maro Engel is making his debut at the mountain with Steven Johnson, and but Engel's not worried about going to the new circuit as he thinks it's familiar to a circuit in Germany that he knows well. So I think you can compare it a little bit to the Nordschleife, to the Nurburgring. Um, it's probably just a shorter, shorter version of it, but uh, just as punishing and just as daunting. Michael Grusso and Daniel Gaunt are reprising the 1992 driving suits that were worn by the winning pair of Jim Richards and Mark Scaife as Nissan make their return to the mountain after 21 years. You know when I first signed up with the team I was um, always always thinking forward you know when we get to Bathurst um, you know and I guess the memories and history that Nissan Javier is um, pretty special to be a part of. Another retro image that is going to be very popular is on the 17 car that is becoming the Greens tough car, For the weekend, another change along with the livery is that the drivers at Dick Johnson Racing are swapping numbers, and it'll be Mostert and Wood running the 17. Walsh and Blanchard will be in the 12. This year, along with the new generation cars having a major safety upgrade in themselves, the Bathurst circuit has undergone some very serious upgrades. James Moffat is very happy to be racing in this time compared to previous generations of cars.
2: So, the cars are obviously a lot safer, but also the circuit. And, you know, we come back this year with a number of safety upgrades to the track. So, uh, very lucky to be, you know, driving in an era where safety is considered so high. And, um, you know, hopefully, we stay, you know, hopefully, everybody stays safe on Sunday.
0: One of the major concerns for the new manufacturers was, of course, the parity. So V8 Supercars Commission have decided there will be seven compulsory pit stops across the course of the 1,000-kilometre event, thereby allowing all the manufacturers to have an even run at the flag. But, of course, that means that it's very heavily biased now towards the last stage, that last safety car period, for a real 20-lap sprint to the chequered flag. All in all the new generation car will have some question marks over it on how its reliability could stand up certainly after the stand-down 500 everyone is confident that the new generation car is going to bring a whole new generation of excitement to the VH supercars at the mountain and we're looking forward to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the Mount Panorama circuit this weekend don't forget we'll have the night before the 1000 this saturday night And you can certainly tune in then for that one. But that's the news for NoBrac Carbon Fibre Products. After the break, Adrian Mussolino and Tom Worsley join me and we preview the great
1: race. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next When we return with more on the V8 Insiders You've taken the V8 to the races you watch the action on TV Now read about them in V8X Magazine V8X Magazine Dedicated to just one thing V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
0: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me this week from... The V8X Supercar Magazine, it is Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian. Good evening, Craig. How are you? And from Tom Worsley Media, it's Tom Worsley. Good evening, Tom. G'day, Craig. Look, uh, we come into the biggest race of the year, and uh, all eyes are focused clearly on one team, and that is Red Bull Racing Australia, because the, no matter what happened in the Sandown 500, they were able to recover. Adrian, it was a remarkable effort.
3: Yeah, I mean, Win cup, couple of pen- uh, spinning rear wheels. At, you know, But the way he stormed through the field, that, that was pretty ominous. The new car and everything, and he came through with, um, you know, yet again. Mounds was right behind him, so pretty ominous heading into Bathurst, and you know, they're the clear favourites, no doubt. They've got the runs on the board up there, and it's very hard to see how it can be stopped.
0: Now, it's Craig Lowndes' 20th appearance at Bathurst, Tom. Is uh, 20 times lucky?
2: Well, he's, he's proven uh, that several numbers are lucky. Uh, you know, it's, as, uh, as Craig and Warren said at the end of the Sandown 500, last year uh, they won the, the Sandown 500 and, and then uh, Paul Umbrella and Jamie Wincup won the big one. So they're hoping to reverse it this weekend. But I, I agree with Adrian. It's, it's really hard to look past this, uh, this very dominant team. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as Roland Dane said, it wasn't so much that they were the best team on the day. It was that they made the least mistakes out of everyone.
0: And that's the critical thing, isn't it? It's mistakes. And whenever we talk mistakes in long-distance races, our thoughts, Adrian, go to one team.
3: Yeah, SDR, bless them. They have the speed, they the drivers. They've got, you know, all the ingredients in there, but things don't go wrong at the, in the important races and, you know, I don't think they're being picked on by the media as the team's been suggested. I just think a case of they need to really stand up and prove that they can get the job done when it counts and, you know, at Sandown we saw again they had the opportunity to stop AAA and they didn't take it because of mistakes and lane and, you know, stacking drivers and wheel nut problems and and, and that sort of stuff just kills you in the long-distance races, so that's yeah, the opportunity again. Reynolds and Dean Cancer were strong there last year, but there's no reason why all four cars can't be in the top ten, but it's a case of delivering on the day, and um, I've yet to see, you know, them delivering at Bathurst, and it's yet a case that they're the best poets, but can that really come through with it in the end?
0: Mm. Of, of course this race uh, this race in some people's eyes tom means more than the ba- the entire championship to other people they f- they say no it's just one race in the year still but for the fans this is the race that once a year everyone sits down to watch. Oh
2: definitely uh, yeah. even my mother who's not a uh, a motorsport person at all she still watches the first 10 laps and the first uh, and the last 10 laps of of uh, the Bathurst 1000 every year. So I I think it it really does have that Melbourne Cup feel to it where it it attracts even the unlikelies. And um, uh, it's it's just got a certain aura about it. I think any driver who says that they don't place more importance on Bathurst, particularly if they're not necessarily in the championship hunt, uh, I think is probably downplaying what it actually means to them.
0: And of course, when we think about this race, guys, we think about such a long history. And Adrian, I, I know this year being the seventy fifth anniversary of the Mount Panorama Circuit, and you've certainly focused heavily on that in the current edition of VRDX magazine.
3: Yeah, it, it's a big anniversary, and you know, coming off last year's fifty years, it's it sort of you know. It, it's great that there's been two milestones within two years, so, you know, we can bring up the history and talk about the heritage, because that's what really makes it such a great event, and the fact that you can sort of trace it back to the formation and very start of, you know, Australian motorsport, um, you know, there's such a great history there, and, and that's what makes it so special, and, you know, the fact as well that it's just one the greatest track in Australia, without a doubt, and up there in terms of world motorsport, and you know, when you have the longest, the, the biggest event at the best, it just combines to make a special event.
0: Mm. Now, of course, uh, what do we take out of the new manufacturers up there at the mountain, Tom? We saw obviously Mercedes doing a fantastic job at Sandown. Nissan had their fair share of struggles. Do we expect the same this weekend? I
2: think that. Mercedes proved that they've got straight line speed at um, at Sandown, and going into Bathurst, that's going to be a really, really big thing. Having those two long straights as well as the main straight, uh, where but the uh, the Nissan, of course, I think is going to uh, to compensate for that across the top of the mountain. So come Friday, uh, oh, sorry Thursday practice, I think it, it's going to be fairly even, but different cars are going to have show their speed in different
0: sections of the track. Do we think that they've got a chance of replicating that uh, fantastic performance, Adrian?
3: It'll be difficult considering the fuel situation. They're going to be even more penalised because it's double race distance, more time in pit lane, more time refuelling, so unless safety cars fall their way, then that's a big bit of knock to to cop at each fuel stop, so It'll be more difficult, I think, as Tom said, the Erebus cars, you know, have the grunt and they've proved it's end and they can be competitive in the long-distance races. And Nissan might struggle more, given their fuel consumption and horsepower issues. But in saying that, you know, it's great that we're in a situation where we've got cars which, you know, are strong in certain parts of the track but weaker in others, and that'll make for an interesting race and the sort of toing and throwing lap. So it'll be interesting. I think the other factor is reliability. Um, this is the longest race of the year. New cars, new tyres, and axles are still a question mark. So it's interesting to see who can survive a thousand k's.
0: Tom, do you see the teams not getting on top of that reliability?
2: Uh, I think there's there's still a few reliable. Uh, sorry, I think there's still a few reliability issues that a couple of teams are showing and. The interesting thing that I took from Sandown was the amount of brake changes and quite a few brake issues. So I think that uh, the, maybe the reliability of the brakes is going to be the, uh, the biggest factor, and of course it's also going to be the biggest test that the transaxle has been under as well.
0: Mm. The TransAxle, I know that uh, when we spoke to Brad Jones a, a little ago now, Adrian, he was he was laughing. And we, uh, you know, At one stage, we thought we'd be having a, a half-hour pit stop to replace TransAxles, but generally the teams are getting on top of that now, and he, he was confident that that wouldn't be happening by the time we reached Bathurst. And after we saw them at Sandown, it, there's no reason to think they'll have any problem. No,
3: and Alkins has done a good job to sort of work and develop on that on the transaxle and, and work with the teams and improve reliability. So, you know, I think the, the thing we need to understand is it's going to be there and it could be an off chance. It could be a case of, you know, a bit too aggressive over the day and, you know, general wear and tear. And, and that's what Bathurst is. It's a race of survival. Um, so, you know, there are a few question marks and that does add some spice to the event. But in saying that, it's had, you know, sand down... We didn't see too many reliability issues. So it, it, it's that sort of thing. We just want build the race and see how it pans out. But um, hopefully we don't have any tyre issues like in previous years and hopefully the, the 18-inch wheel package holds up. Um, so that'd be best. Mm.
0: I, I guess one of the great things we saw at Sandown, Tom, was the fact that no-one was ever out of the race. We had a race winner that had a drive-through penalty. We had Lowndes get stacked in the pits. Will Davison got caught behind uh, his teammate's car, stacked in the pits when they had to do a long pit stop. Courts and Murphy almost had no bodywork left on the car by the end of the race. And, uh, of course, then you had Winterbottom, who stalled on the start. That's your top six. Coulthard and Yulden probably had the least stressful race of uh, the entire top ten.
2: Yeah, uh, it just goes to show that just because you have issues even halfway through the day, it doesn't necessarily write you off for the the finish. And it's not where you are at at lap 80 that that counts. It's where you you are at lap uh, probably about 150 that that you can really get an indication of of who's still got a a fair crack at it. And, uh, of course, you only have to look back to uh, 1990. Eight, I believe, when the uh, the winning car was an entire lap down at one point.
0: Well, I, oh, I don't know if it was that. I know that uh, Larry Perkins and Russell Ingall had to pit on lap one and uh, they came back to win the race. So uh, that. That certainly close to going a lap down. I, I can't remember anyone going a lap down. Adrian, you're the one that has been delving through the record books. Aaron, Aaron, Noonan, would tell it straight away.
3: Yeah, I think uh, 95 was the best example, as I said, where um, Perkins cut a tire off the start, and was forced in the pit and way down, and they sort of worked their way through the day. And, and as you said, that, that's what makes these long distance runs so good is no one's really out of it unless they're parked or or crashed at the top of the mountain. You can work your way and nowadays with safety cars being more prevalent it sort of throws up that option of you know what do you do with strategy, Um, you've got a few more options, you know there's a high chance that you're going to gain any lost time so um, as long as you stay on that lead lap you're in with a chance and um, as we said earlier if reliability is an issue then it becomes even more of a sort of open. Open race for some of those
0: smaller teams to get up there. Mm. Well, we need to take a break on the V8 insiders, but plenty more to talk about on the other side of this.
1: You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X magazine. V8X magazine dedicated to just one thing: V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage.
0: Hi, hi, I'm Alexon Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the VAD Insiders. We're going to divert away from uh, Bathurst for this segment of the show, but we'll come back to it in the White Flag Lap. And, guys, uh, just interesting, since we've had our special series of specials on the the show, there's been a lot of different uh, stories happening. Of course, the big one is the changes at the commission level and uh, now, we don't have uh, Mark Scaife going on as the chairman of the commissioner, but, gee, uh, they haven't found too bad a replacement there, Adrian. No, um, you know, they
3: found... Who has a lot of experience in the American side of things in racing and IndyCar as a team boss, and also in New Zealand. Um, you know, he, what I like about his appointment is the fact that he's not coming in with any sort of allegiances to any team. Um, he's coming in as someone new to the Supercars with a lot of motorsport experience, so that'll hold him in good stead. And it, it's sort of just good for the sport to have someone who doesn't have that history with one team. And, um, he's very switched on and combined with James Warburton the CEO, it's looking like a strong um, leadership and, you know, it's a, a big difference to what we faced at the start of the year where there was a bit of a power vacuum at the top. Mm.
0: Uh, of course, one thing, Tom, with that change, it, it, it does now mean that uh, a lot of the infighting and and, and ganging up really on Scafe for the last few months has now finished and, Really there's a bit cleaner run In the commission side of things
2: um, Definitely I think uh, Adrian touched on it In terms of having a, a broad Motorsport background I think the real advantage of, of the new chairman is that it's He brings an outsider's View of the series Whereas uh, you know, obviously Mark Scaife has, has been in the Sport for a very long time And uh, I think that it's, It sometimes helps Particularly at, at that higher level, to bring someone out, bring someone in who's got um, you know a different perspective on on what the sport is doing and where it's at and and potentially where it's missing out. Mm.
0: The interesting thing too is that the uh, the way the organisation has gone about restructuring at the moment has been taken very well by the teams and I think generally by the media they're really finding a lot of positives about the way things have changed, Adrian.
3: Yeah, and I think the reason for that is because we're seeing results and, you know, when you think to the start of the year there were question marks for the Sydney, the Gold Coast, you know, question marks for the car of the future. There's all these doubts now that the calendar's been settled and Sydney and Gold Coast have some sort of of short term future and you know this move of Twilight Racing, more prime time coverage and there's a positive direction because the future's established Volvo's coming in next year there's this positive momentum and you know there's a coincidence that that's come about at a time when James Warburn came in and and there was more direction at the head of the sport so um, yeah you know a a lot of positives going on and a good time you know building towards the end of the season and getting ready for next season when a new manufacturer comes in and, um, you know, the calendar's out already. I can't remember a time when the calendar's been released this early, which suggests that, you know, everything's a bit more organised than in previous years.
0: Mm. Well, talking about the calendar, Tom, one of the big things in next year's calendar is there's going to be some consistency or some way of making people understand what's going on. You have a super street sprint. You have a sorry you have a super street, a super sprint, and then a per tech enduro cup race it, they're trying to simplify it because one of the big complaints is we turn up at the track and not even the media can remember what the format is
2: yeah as, as everyone got excited about you know different formats that it, it then proved to be a complete nightmare, especially when you're trying to uh, report on it more so for the mainstream media that that doesn't have a a close watch on uh, on what's happening in in V8 Supercar Land, like in uh, in Adrian's publication, where the, you know, it's a dedicated following. So, it's, I think it's a really good step forward in terms of attracting new people because it's going to be easier to follow. Uh, you don't need to have a PhD to figure out what format they're running and and how a sixty sixty format works and why there's a checkered flag. Midway through the race, and that sort of thing. So, I think it's a, a really positive step, and um, I think it's going to prove to be a, a really strong formula having those three clear cut definitions.
0: And one thing it does do, it moves Auckland and uh, moves Townsville up into the 500 category. It gives them uh, a much stronger branding position as well, Adrian. Yeah, it
3: does. And I think, you know, the important thing is touched on. Is it aligns all the types of events. So, you know, if you know we're at a street circuit, you know the race format that's going to happen and you know Auckland's been thrown into that mix because obviously it's the one international event outside of Australia and it deserves, you know, to have that sort of, you know, marquee status and, you know, I, I just I think it's a great move. Finally, we have some consistency. Finally, fans will be able to immediately recognise what race format, you know, is on at a particular... Let's be honest, 60 to do the work. It lost interest pretty quickly um, and all it did was confuse. And what I like about this new format for next year is that on the Sunday of each event, there's one definitive race, and um, that's the best way to keep it simple and have a sort of clear event winner each round.
0: Yep. And uh, of course, sorry, Tom? Uh,
2: I think it also touches, sorry, I think it also accommodates for for both interests. There's people that like the shorter 100k races and there's people that like the, the slightly longer races. So I think this format that they've got with two 100km races and a 200km race on the one weekend accommodates for everyone.
0: And that's obviously what you've got to try and do. You've got to try and make sure everyone's happy. At the same time, you've got to have something that's comprehensible and understandable Easily to the man on the sideline Look, one thing we haven't touched On, Tom, we're not going back To America next year We're not going back to Bahrain next year Both those contracts Are still, oh, still have Races left on them though
2: Yeah, it's a a real shame that uh, They're not going back to Texas Next year, I was one of The few media that missed out on the trip This year and I was Hoping to get across next year but I think it's uh, it's a, a wise move because it allows them to, to really reinforce the brand in Australia which is always going to be the key market for V8 supercars so uh, as, as disappointed as I am that we're not going to America um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Bahrain event and um, or Abu Dhabi in terms of I didn't see a, a market for it and even to a point there's a very small market in America. So I think it's this uh, next calendar focuses on the real core of
0: V8 Supercars. And I must correct myself there. I said Bahrain. I meant to say Abu Dhabi. That's where the uh, contract is yet to be completed. Adrian, uh, interesting that we're going to Sydney so many times with uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. Now, obviously, the relationship patched up quite uh, significantly, and of course, the Sydney Telstra, the Sydney 500 to close the year out.
3: Yeah, and I think that's great, and I agree with Tom. It made no sense to me why we were going to Austin, Texas, on the other side of the world, when there were places like Sydney Motorsport Park, which we weren't going to, and that's where your fan base is. And, you know, for so a case of them not getting a crowd there in previous meetings. Well, that's just the case of, you know, improving your product, and it's been so you to get a crowd there. And, you know, Sydney's the biggest market in Australia, so it can easily you know, hold two events. They're very different. You know, one dependent facility, one a street circuit, and I think they should complement each other, you know, and um, it makes sense to me. I'm a big fan of the coming in the next season. Simple. Um, and, you know, for me, I don't see the point of expanding internationally when there's more room to expand in Australia. Mm. Um, and I don't think we've exhausted that. I think there's still opportunities in Central Coast, Newcastle, Geelong, places like that for a Townsville
0: type of event. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, what's also very interesting is that now the ARDC has an opportunity with the V8 Supercars to offer twin ticket packages and, and things like that. So the people going to, who are going to the Sydney 500 might be able to buy a slightly more expensive ticket and go to Sydney Motorsport Park and vice versa. So you've got this other marketing opportunity that wasn't there previously For the media, though, all the media was hanging on the fact that it was supposed to be Melbourne's turn, and I know a lot of people were wanting to go to uh, different concerts that were playing on that particular weekend. So, uh, In fact, I know there's a couple of drivers that had bought tickets to go to um, the concerts that were in Melbourne that week, and uh, they were just banking on the fact that it was going to stay on the alternate program.
3: Yeah, I think think one of the that works in Sydney is because... It's halfway between both teams. You've got half the teams in Queensland, half the teams in Victoria. So by keeping in Sydney each year, I think that's fair for all parties. And again, that's where the people are. That's where the biggest market is. Mm.
0: Tom?
2: Well, I I think that um, while it might be convenient for the teams being halfway, I mean, is the test day really for the teams or is it actually for the fans? Because to me, the the compulsory test day at pre-season uh, is really a, a chance for the fans to come out and see the cars for the first time for the year before or So I think that the alternate thing is a, is a good thing, but um, we're still neglecting Queensland, which is, a, is a, a, quite a key market for V8 supercars. So um, I think that probably the... Not just Melbourne fans are a bit disappointed that they have to travel to Sydney for two years, but the uh, the Queenslanders have had to travel every year.
0: And of course, uh, could you imagine if they had a test day at somewhere like Lakeside, that still is a racing track, and uh, you you were having a, a, a you know at a venue that wasn't necessarily a test venue, but it was really then it becomes a fan day more than it is really a test day even.
2: I think you would uh, have a very strong crowd at somewhere like Lakeside or Morgan
0: Park. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders.
1: The white flag is up next. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more you've taken the v8 to the races you watch the action on tv now read about them in v8x magazine v8x magazine dedicated to just one thing v8 supercars showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine V8X the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage out now Hi I'm Jonathan
2: Webb from Techno Auto Sports and you're listening to V8 Insiders
0: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders The White Flag Lab brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers Tom Worsley And also Adrian Mussolino Still with me Craig Revelle And guys, time to preview the race What do you think, Tom? Who's going to win it?
2: Uh, although it's hard to look past The, uh, the dominance of Triple Eight I think there's a couple of other Very strong pairings um, I, I think Murphy and, and Courtney They showed a at Sandown that they've got pace and I think they're, uh, they're going to be I think they're actually the strongest combination out of all of them this weekend and the other dark horse for me is uh, Scott McLaughlin
3: and Jack Perkins
0: Alright Adrian what about you?
3: Yeah I think Triple A will have the speed and pace but I just think you know you can't always fall their way and I think something might happen or go wrong or something um, Maybe it's out of hope that we get a, a different winner, but I think the Courtney-Murphy combination looks good. HRC always finds a way to, to sort of perform at that no matter what they're doing during the season, and they've had a pretty reasonable year. So I think Courtney-Murphy for the win. Um, and I think, you know, there'll be a surprise on the podium, and I wouldn't rule out Chas Mostert being up there um, right. in the green stuff, Dick johnson every. I think that'll be a nice little story.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I think just like true blue last year, Tom, that car is going to garner a huge amount of interest.
2: Uh, it's, uh, I think that that was the best looking of the retro liveries that we saw last year. And, uh, there's just something about bringing, it, uh, paint schemes from yesteryear into a modern context that just, it works and always generates a lot of interest. And, uh, especially when you take such an iconic car like Green's, uh, Green's Tough and um, True Blue.
0: Mm. Well, if Red Bull and HRT, the two major factory Holden teams, aren't able to win, who do you reckon will be the best of the rest? Um, I, I should actually take four Performance Racing out as well. You've obviously put Mostert in there, Adrian, but uh, Tom, what about you? What, what sort of independent, smaller team... Uh, or non-Ford or Holden factory team do you have as being a, a, a real chance?
2: Brad Jones Racing always does something very good with strategy, so you can't discount Jason Bright and Andrew Jones or uh, Fabian Coulthard and Luke Yulden. And the other uh, non-factory team for me is uh, is going to be Gary Rogers Motorsport with McLaughlin and Perkins.
0: Mm. What about you, Adrian?
3: Um, uh, I think there's a few. I think definitely mclaughlin Perkins. So I think they're looking good for a podium, and I think that could be one of the strong performers. Um, yeah, I think Gary Rogers, Brad Jones, uh, as I've said. I think also look out for a strong performance from the AAA wildcard entry. I think they will perform better than expected. They're two you know, world-class drivers. It's a strong car. It's a car that Winkup spent most of the year in and, you know, obviously is a race-winning car. So I think they could sort of, you know, get up into the mid-pack as well. So I'd look out for them, um, you know, potential top ten, I'd say. Mm.
0: Well, it is going to be an interesting weekend for everyone. Guys, uh, thanks very much for joining us on the show and look forward to catching up with you both on the mountain.
2: Uh, Looking forward to it.
0: Thank you. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders. As the chequered flag waves over this edition, don't forget the night before the 1000 will be online Saturday. Till next time around, keep smiling and bye for now.
1: Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.